two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Merry Christmas. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite His presence to be with us this morning. Father, we're thankful for the privilege we have to come before You. Lord, I pray that You would be with us this morning in this time together, Lord, as we look at Your Word. Thank You for all You've given to us. God, I pray that we would give honor and praise to You, and that we not forget the reason for the celebration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been in the middle of a series on um, the book of Acts and uh, looking at uh, uh, what is going on in the uh, book of Acts as far as the establishing of the early church. And, and uh, uh, so we are going to, though this morning, be stepping aside from, um, from our series on the book of Acts, and we are going to, uh, uh, we will resume it. Next week we'll not be having class, and so uh, we will resume on January the 1st uh, and be looking at Acts chapter 27 and uh, uh, in a uh, lesson entitled Safe in the Storm. But this morning we are going to go to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians chapter 4. The title of our lesson this morning is, That's Why He Came. Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father." Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. During this time of year, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But the birth of Jesus Christ is so much more than just a baby being born in a manger, a baby being born to uh, poor parents. Um, it is so much more uh, than that. And uh, we celebrate during this time of year. But were it just another birthday, uh, our celebration would be meaningless. But there is a reason that we celebrate. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 1, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. That's the real reason we celebrate is because it is when God came to dwell among men Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. He became Emmanuel, God with us. Why did God come down and dwell among us? First of all, In the book of Galatians, where we just read, as our text, says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And then verse 5 begins to tell us why that He sent His Son He says, first of all, that He sent His Son to redeem them that were under the law. First of all, we find the reason that Jesus came was for our redemption. He came to redeem us from our sin. The Scripture opens up by telling about how man had been created by God. And how that we were made in His image, but man sinned. And fellowship with God was lost. And so, God became flesh and dwelt among us that He might redeem us. He came for our redemption. And our redemption was not something that just happened on the spur of the moment. But the Bible teaches us that it was planned. God had the plan of redemption in His heart and in His mind before man was ever created. From from, uh, eternity past, God had planned a means whereby we might be saved. Redemption wasn't just something spur of the moment. God did not give the law. 
and say, here is the way I want you to live. And give us the Old Testament and and give to Moses the Ten Commandments. And then throw up his hands and say, well, it looks like these guys have blown it. These guys aren't able to keep the law, so let's go to plan B. No, the law was given to us so that we could see our need of a Savior. So when the fullness of time was come, when the law had accomplished its purpose, when the law had shown us that we were sinners in need of a Savior, when the law had shown that we could not live up to the expectations of the law, God sent His Son. It was part of His plan from the beginning that Jesus Christ Come into the world to save sinners. Not only was this something that was planned in the heart of God, but from the very beginning of time, God promised that He would send a Savior. In the book of Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which He had promised afore by His prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. In Genesis chapter 3, when man fell, we find the first promise of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 15. He says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 22, the Bible says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God planned the redemption of man from the beginning of time. God promised that He would send a Redeemer. God would send a Redeemer to purchase to Himself those who had gone astray. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many.
There are multiple words that are used to express the word redeemed in the New Testament or in the Scriptures. One is to purchase back to yourself that which once belonged to you. We were created in the image of God. We were God's, but because we have gone astray and turned to our own ways, God placed our iniquity on Jesus Christ on the cross that He might purchase us to Himself Though we were once His, we lived our life to please another. And so He has purchased us back. The other word that is used, one of the other words that is used, implies the purchase at a slave market. We have become slaves to sin. But God has redeemed us and purchased us. But there is a word that goes a step farther and says, not only have we been purchased at that slave market, but we have been brought out. We are no longer left in our sin. We are no longer left in that place. And so, it was planned. Our redemption was planned. Our redemption was promised. Our redemption has been purchased. And because of that, we have been pardoned. We have been pardoned. We have been forgiven for our sins. God came to redeem us. That's why He came. That's why Jesus was born. That's why we celebrate Christmas. But part of His coming and part of the results of this redemption, we read here in Galatians chapter 4, that He came to redeem those that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Not only have we been redeemed, not only have we been purchased back to God, but He has adopted us into the family. We have not simply been, been redeemed and purchased at that slave market and taken out of that slave market only to be a slave to a different master, but He has adopted us as His Son. John chapter 1 and verse 12, we read this already, but it says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. As part of the adoption, when one is adopted, they become a part of the family. They share in the inheritance and that is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in Galatians 4, is the fact that we have been adopted and we share in the inheritance of God. We have not been born as royalty. We have not been born deserving the riches of Christ. 
We have not been born uh, uh, into a, a position to where we deserve the blessings of God. But we have been adopted into the family. And because of that adoption, we now can enjoy the blessings and the privilege of being a child of God. Not because of what we deserve, because we were born in the sin. Not because of who we are, but simply because He loved us and chose to adopt us into His family. A lot of times, we have a tendency to focus as being adopted sons and daughters. We have a tendency to focus on the blessings. We have a tendency to, to look at the fact that we are a child of God. And sometimes you'll hear people that, that, that uh, uh, almost uh, elevate themselves as though they are, are better than everybody else by talking about, I'm a child of the King. And don't misunderstand, we are children of the King. But sometimes... If we're not careful, we can, we can take that as a problem. And, and because we're, all, we're only looking at it, what's in it for me? But there is something that goes beyond just the blessings of gifts. There is something greater than just receiving because I'm a child. Oh, that may, when you're a young child, you know, it's, it's nice to get gifts at Christmas, you know. When you're a young child, it's all about, it's all about making your list and... and uh, this is what I want and this is what I'd like to have. And, you know, you open the presents. But then you'd ask Grandma and Grandpa what they want for Christmas. And you know what their response usually is? Oh, I really don't need anything. Just... So the family can get together and enjoy being together. Did you know that's how God looks at us as children? It's not about bestowing gifts upon us, though He wants to do that. It's about restoring fellowship with Him. There is an intimacy that takes place. 
That's the difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian. An immature Christian is all about me, me, me. But as a Christian matures, it's about fellowship with Him. As a child grows, the Bible explains this in, here in Galatians and in other places it talks about it too. But, but particularly here in Galatians, he talks about the fact that, that really a child differs not from a servant when he's growing up. But there comes a time that he reaches maturity when the father and the son are able to communicate with one another and have fellowship. And there is an intimacy that takes place. And that's what God desires for us. And so He has adopted us into the family, not just so He can bestow gifts upon us, but so there can be an intimacy of fellowship with Him. That is why man was created in the beginning. is so that we might have fellowship with the Father. So that we could spend time with the Father. The Bible says, And because ye are sons, in verse 6, Because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There is an intimacy that takes place. This word Abba is the Aramaic word that is a term of endearment. It's much like our word daddy. It's more than just simply father. But it, is, it shows an intimacy of relationship. But he says that our, our spirit cries out within us, or the spirit cries out within us, Abba, Father. Not only is there an intimacy, while there is an intimacy, there is still a respect. There is still an esteem. There is still an honor and an awe. Even though we may be children of God, and though we may at times have that intimacy and those terms of endearment, yet He is still our Father in a respectful way. There is still a fear that goes with that intimacy. Sometimes people take the Scripture out of context where it talks about boldly going before the throne of grace. As though we can just march into the throne room of God and demand our own way and demand what we want. But there is a fear and an awe and an awesomeness about God and about approaching His throne. As an earthly son. When we would go to our father to make a request. 
There are some things that we knew that if at all in His power, He would do. There are some things we didn't have to be fearful about approaching and asking. There are some things that sometimes we knew before we ever ask what the answer was going to be. I remember one time out the camp, somebody come up and asked me, said, will you go ask your dad such and such? And uh, I said, well, he's standing right over there. Why don't you go ask him? And uh, they said, no, I'm afraid of him. Said, said, I don't, I, I'm afraid to talk to him. Said, said, will you go ask him for me? Well, I knew my dad well enough. I knew what his answer would be. And I also knew that's why the person was afraid to talk to him. is because down deep, they knew what his answer would be. They knew that the thing they requested. And so they were trying to go through me hoping that I could convince him because I was his son. I don't even remember if I ever went and told him or not that they asked about it. I think I, I told them they could go ask him and left it in their court. To, I, I really don't. And, and to be quite honest, I don't even remember what the issue was. I just remember the circumstance. But the fact of the matter is, there is an awe, there is a fear, there is a respect that must be in our lives with God. We have a closeness. We have an intimacy. We have a fellowship. There are the terms of endearment. And yet in that endearment there is still a respect and an honor. For while He is our Father, or could I say He is our Daddy, He is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is still the Creator of the heavens and earth. He is still the Almighty. He is still the Omnipotent. He is still the Omniscient. He is still the Omnipresent. He is still above anything that we can think or imagine. And He deserves our worship and our respect and our honor because of who He is. And so, we find that because of Christ's coming, There is redemption. Because of Christ's coming, there is adoption. And last of all, because of Christ's coming, there is freedom. He came 
to set us free. He came to bring deliverance. The Bible says, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. That's in verse 7. There is freedom that comes because that Jesus came. What is this freedom? First of all, we are freed from the penalty of sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 3. Then later in chapter 6, he tells us that the wages of sin is death. Because we have sinned, and because we have all sinned, we deserve the penalty of sin, which is death. But he goes on to say, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because we are no longer servants, but now we are sons. Because we have been adopted into the family of God. He has given us a gift of eternal life. And we no longer are under the penalty of sin. We are no longer under the judgment of death. Because Jesus came. And because He has adopted us into His family, we receive as our inheritance eternal life. We receive as our inheritance everlasting life. And we are no longer under the penalty of sin. And so we have received freedom in Jesus Christ. From the penalty of sin. But we receive so much more freedom than simply from the penalty of sin. A lot of people want to be satisfied with simply being released from the penalty of sin. There are many who believe that you can come to God for forgiveness And be released from the penalty of sin. And because once you have confessed Jesus Christ as Savior. Then it doesn't matter what you do after that. Because the penalty of sin has been covered. But Jesus Christ brings us more than simply freedom from the penalty of sin. He brings us freedom from the possession of sin. In Matthew chapter 1, in verse 21, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people 
from their sin. Not only does He redeem us, not only does He free us from the penalty of sin, but He frees us from the possession of sin. He frees us from our sin. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, <coughs> chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Because Jesus came, not only can we be freed from the penalty of sin, but we can be free from the bondage of sin. We can be free from the things that possess us. We can be free from those things in our life that, that, that we seem to not be able to turn away from. He said, how can we that are dead to those things live any longer therein? Just like when a person dies in the natural, There is nothing that tempts a corpse. It doesn't matter how good the Christmas dinner may smell. A corpse has no desire to partake of the food. And so, when we are dead to sin, the old man has been crucified. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus. And the desire to sin has been removed from our life. Does that mean we don't fail? No, there may be times that we trip and fall. And that's why, why that the Bible says in, in 1 John, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And He goes on to say, if we say we haven't sinned, then we're a liar and the truth is not in us. And He says then in chapter 2, verse 1, He says, and if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There may be times that we make mistakes. There may be times that we fail. But there is forgiveness. And we are no longer under the possession of sin. But we have been freed from the bondage of sin. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, In chapter 2, For as much then as ye are children, then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Not only have we been freed from the possession of sin, but we have been freed 
from the possessor. We have been freed from the enemy of our soul. We have been freed from the bondage. We are no longer under bondage to the devil. We are no longer a servant of Satan. But we have a new master. We have a new Lord. Jesus Christ. Because He came, not only is He our Lord and our Master, but He becomes our Father. Because He adopts us into the family. And then last of all, we are freed from the law. We are freed from the law. Sometimes it's easy for us to mistake and think that that means that we just live the way we please. But that's not what he means when he says that we are freed from the law. But because that we are no longer bound by the law. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will, show the, I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Uh, let me move on down. He says, he says, uh, that he will give a, here it is in verse 31. He says, I will make a new covenant with them. We know that is the New Testament. He says, I will make them a new covenant. And then if you skip on down to verse 33, he says, This shall be the covenant I will make. I will put my law in their inward parts. And write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. We're freed from the law. But that's because out of the love for the Father, we do by nature the things that are written in the law. No longer do we have to go back to the law and look at the law and live our life according to this list of codes. Because we have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. And because all things have been made new, we have a desire and a new heart that lives for the glory of of God. <coughs> the familiar passage that we so often read this time of year. Isaiah chapter 9 beginning at verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, 
Counselor. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's the birthday of the baby born one night in Bethlehem to redeem our souls. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's the birthday of the baby born to be the King of Kings, the Savior of all men. Could we bow our heads? Father, thank You, Lord, for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that You saw fit Lord, before we ever sinned, before we were ever created, You planned a means whereby we might be saved. And when the fullness of time was come, You sent Your Son to become flesh and blood, to be Emmanuel, to be God with us that we might be saved from our sins. And we're so grateful for that. That You provided a means whereby we might be a redeemed, whereby we might be adopted, and whereby we might be free. And it's all because of Christmas. It's in Jesus' name we pray. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.